So my name is Yossi Leshem. Uh, I am now a senior researcher in Tel Aviv University. At, uh, till the 1995, I worked for the Society for the Protection of Nature, the leading NGO in Israel, or is it called SPNI? And I am the director of an international center for studying bird migration, which I was the establishing in 1995. Uh, I am a bird migration expert, but I'm also involved deeply with conserv nature conservation and in protecting the environment. As uh, I started to work in the SPNI in 1971, and I worked for many years uh, as a conservationist. I was the head of the conservation department of the SPNI, and then I was, the, as I said, the general director. So, yeah. how extensive uh, is bird migration in Israel? How important is this? Ah, this is a very big story for Israel because, as you know. We are located, we are a very small country, but we are located in a junction of three continents. So from the political point of view, it's a disaster. But talking on bird migration, a big portion of the uh, Asiatic, of West Asia, and uh, from Central and Eastern Europe, birds are m moving to Africa through Israel, through the Middle East. It's a bottleneck. So we are talking about 500 million birds in, in the spring migration and the same number in the autumn migration. So if you take the size of the country and divide it to the number of birds flying over, it's a world record. It's a big story. It's exactly like in the States, uh, Panama, for example, which is a bottleneck between uh, North and South America. So this is a very big issue, which was not very well known in the past, but I made my PhD for the Israeli Air Force because they lost many aircraft from migrating birds mainly, but for also from others. So my, I was funded by them and I studied the migration. I mapped when exactly they are coming, what height, what routes, and basically we just make new flight regulations. They stop to fly on the big corridors where the birds are flying, and immediately from 1984, it's now 25 years, a quarter of a, of a million, the, the numbers uh, yeah, uh, dropped down by 76%. 76 percent. The number yeah, number of collision of bear collision dropped down by 76 percent. Collisions, collision, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the collisions, the number of collisions was there, for, and it saved the Israeli Air Force 700 million, 50 million dollars, mm -hmm. which is a big uh, success for us. And of course, it's also the life of the birds. So this became a very famous story of finding coexistence between men and the environment, and everyone heard about it. And it, and we are still, you know, while you are connected to them, then I am with them now for 25 years. Now, what are you doing to educate people about ah, okay. birds and, and schools and adults? And I am I'm leading a very big project where I developed a, a, a program which is called Migrating Birds No No Boundaries. And uh, uh, in 1996, I started a six-year research together with Max Planck Institute in Germany. The German government, in fact, uh, gave me six years research to put radio transmitters on birds which are accepted by satellites, by the French Argos satellite. So we followed 120 white stalks to study their migration route, to study what's the most important place they are stopping. And uh, 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 this was a very successful story. Then when we got the funds from the German uh, Ministry of Environment, I went to the Ministry of Education in Israel and they, they matched it and they gave money to develop an, a curriculum in the schools so students can follow the birds with the satellites and also with the radar. I have a big radar 
I will show you on the way in Lutrun, but we don't have time to go in. Uh, uh, and they can see it on the web online. It's www.birds.org.il. So we had hundreds of schools, more than 400 schools, who were involved in our educational programs. And this went so well that after two years I went to the American USAID and I proposed them. I saw it's, it's going so well and the students are so excited. And they gave funds to make the same program also with Palestinian and Jordanian schools under the same title, Migrating Birds No Boundaries. So we provided them with, uh, I mean, with the American money. They gave one and a half million dollars. We put uh, uh, computers in Bejala, near Bethlehem, and in Amman, in Jordan, and schools started to learn on migration. And the big vision was to, communi com to communicate between uh, schools from all the three partners to the students. And then when they meet, they suddenly see that, you know, they are equal. So this became a very successful project. But unfortunately, it started in 1997. Then in 2000, started the second intifada. So we, in the beginning, we were bringing many schools to meet each other. And now we had to stop it because we couldn't take the students together. Okay. So this worked very well. And then we started to work with the farmers. You'll excuse me for a minute. Okay. Just I'm wondering uh, all the pollution probably, air pollution, water pollution, global warming, how is that affecting uh, bird life here in Israel? Uh, okay, so, you know, the birds, unfortunately, since the state of Israel was established, for the birds it was a, a big problem because, you know, in the past it was a... Uh, the population was only 600,000 people, now we are 7 millions. A lot of open lands, which was the habitat of the bird, were uh, uh, dried out and were used for building and for agriculture. Agriculture, the farmers were using a lot of pesticides because this is a good uh, country for rodent population, vole population. So they started to spray and they killed not only the local animals and birds, but also the migrants, you know, were hardly affected by so much pesticides. In fact, it's not only the problem of Israel, but also of the Arab countries around. And we were causing big damage. So that was the reason I started the project by using owls and kestrels as pest controllers. You know, we put all over the, the places uh, nesting boxes, and in each pair they eat about 2,000 mice. So we succeeded to reduce the number of the fields that they are using now pesticides. And now it became a national project in Israel. I got funds from the Ministry of Environment and the Ministry of Agriculture. And this is now becoming a national project. Now, talking on air pollution, of course, it, it affects people and animals at the same. The, the air is polluted. The, even there are laws that are uh, limiting the use of pollution, air and water pollution. The, the law is not forced on a high level, so still there is a lot of problem with that. Then there, is a, there are problems of, I was talking on the Air Force, so low navigation uh, training were disturbing many nesting of the birds, like the colonies of the vultures, which were anyway on a low level. Uh, so these are the main problems here. So the idea, as I already said, was to get people-to-people -people activity. And even the Palestinians, for example, almost nothing was done there before. We got a team of teachers and researchers 
we educated them, and then they started to, to take care. For example, in Jericho, which we have now a station, uh, last year about 6,500 students came to see the activity of a bending station, and they took them to trips, exactly the things that we are doing here in Israel, even in a bit smaller scale, but it's now moving. They, they, they were following the migration with the satellites, and they, they were trained to use computers, many of them. For them it was even, they might not be birders, but at least they have some experience with using computers and stuff like that. And they met some of the students we were meeting and talking to each other. So this worked very well as a people-to-people -people activity. And now they have a, their local group. For example, I worked with a big group <coughs> in Beit Sahor, which is near Bethlehem, which is called Palestine Wildlife Society. And in Jordan, I worked with a group which is called the RSCN, Royal Society for Conservation of Nature, which uh, the chairman was uh, the finance minister of King Hussein. Uh, his name was Anis Moasher. He established a, an organization. So we worked with them. They made a computer room studying the bird migration and the birds in Amman, and the Palestinians did it in Bejala. And we made it in Latrun, in my center in Latrun. So this is now we are working with them for the, the last uh, 12 years with high success. As I told you, now we are working with the farmers. So the Jordanian and the Palestinian farmers also established nesting boxes in their fields. And you have to understand for the Muslims, it's a big problem because in the Muslim tradition, house brings you bad luck if you have it in your house or in your yard. So first we have to... Uh, we made a campaign that owls bring you good luck and not bad luck. And it worked. In the beginning, they were skeptic. But they, now all the farmers who have owls in their farm, they are very proud of them. So you see, you have also to, some time to change the culture. Okay. Now, you said you have worked uh, many years with SPNI. Yes. Can you just tell about SPNI and their work and uh, how important it is? Okay, yeah. So SPNI, you know, we are a small country. We have uh, 60 or 50,000 members now. Comparing to the RSPB, for example, which is a bird organization in UK, they have 1.1 million. Or the Audubon have 600,000. But there, of course, in UK, you have 60 million people, and in the States, you have about 300 million. So for Israel, 60,000 is quite nice. And this is one of the uh, 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 all the NGOs in the world. We, are, we started in 1953, so it's already... 55 years organization in the Middle East for sure it's the first one now because the government understood we, we, we started to develop a network of field study centers all over the country and the government understood that this is a very powerful tool to get the youngsters to love their own country a new country so they funded us even we are an NGO they gave us money to build a network of 17 field centers all over the country near the nicest nature reserves so we developed a system that, now it's a bit lower, but when I was the director, we had 800,000 students coming through the system every year, which is huge for such a small country. And suddenly everyone started to hear about nature conservation, less on the environment, you know, at that time nature conservation was the big story. So you see, for situation in general. Ah, so the situation is, for example, I think the best sample to talk of is the Hula Valley, 
because the government made the biggest mistake 55 years ago and they decided to dry out uh, the halt before for the farmers because at that time everyone was thinking only on developing and you know settlements and stuff and when there was a professor in Tel Aviv University professor Heinrich Mendelssohn he went to the to the decision makers they thought he's an art they couldn't understand he told them there was an, a, a kind of a amphibia which is called discoglossus and uh, it was an endemic species for the hula. So when he told them that we will lose our discoglossus, they thought this man is glad. This is a new nation, you are, you are drying land for the farmers and he's talking on an idiot amphibian. But then he, he failed and then that was the reason that the SPNI was established. So now, as you can see, they, they understood this was a big mistake and they reflooded it again and now they, I was talking about it in my lecture. 300,000 people are coming, now they understood it's also business. So I think this was an issue which gave the decision maker to understand that protecting the environment is also economically important, not only for the, the greens, you know, as they like to call us, who are keen to protect it. Now you mentioned the air pollution problem, can you just go into some detail, how bad is the air pollution problem and uh, is anything being done? Okay. So you probably heard about the problem for the, I give you the two samples or three of different towns. In Haifa, there's the big refineries where they are working with the oil system. And this is just in the town or in the suburb of the town. And it took 20 years to convince them to put money and reduce the, the level of the, of the pollution. Now after people were studying it, they found out how bad it was for the people living there. So they made some work, but not enough. As I told you, no one is really uh, doing the job to, uh, to check how, how it's operated. And so I think that, and the same story was with the Kishon River. You know, this is a big river near Haifa, which was highly polluted. And then the, the Marine Commando, they were diving their training and many probably were affected with uh, cancer. And they have to take the government to the court to sue them. And, and the same in Tel Aviv, they have reading, you know, just in the town, in big uh, pipes, and they even this, the electricity company they reduced it, but not enough. And the same in Be'er Sheva, they put very close to Be'er Sheva a big uh, industry zone with a lot of poison. It was in fact the dumping place for all the poisoning material in Israel. So this is, again, now they, they are putting the army in units to the Negev very closer to this side. So I believe the only solution is not the decision making, but they have to understand the public care. So they, they, that's the task of the NGO, to put it all the time on the national agenda. But in Israel it's complicated because when the security problems are so high, then it's difficult to take care of that. And I once, Shimon Peres, well, I heard him talking about, and he said that he hoped that in the future Israel, the most important ministries will be the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Environment, and not the Defense Minister. But meanwhile, it's a problem, because when you give more than 20% of your national budget for security, you cannot treat seriously the environment. So we are in a problem. We are in a big problem. And it's still, the Ministry of Environment, you know, I worked with them, uh, Gidon Ezra, the Minister of Environment, it's the smallest ministry, the poorest ministry, 
And you know, in Germany, they put big money in the environment, and here, nothing. So you, if you want to change things, you need the money for it. You don't have the money, it's just blah, blah, nothing more. And that's what's happening right now here. That's the situation. Yeah, but as you know, the peace process, meanwhile, now, for example, everyone hopes maybe Tsipi Livni, she will change a bit. Now again, there will be elections, and if Bibi is coming and will be elected, <laughs> no chance for the environment and no chance for peace. We will lose the battle, for sure. And the settlers will get more power, and the peace will, will you know, I'm 61 now. And, you know, I'm an optimistic guy, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm getting, if I look at the reality, we are in a problem. Well, speaking of being pessimistic or optimistic, you mentioned that Israel now has a worst round in history, and as you probably know, the recent um, Israeli Union Environmental Defense Report is indicating less rain, more storms, more flooding, heat waves, possibly the rising Mediterranean. What are your thoughts in general about global warming and the future of Israel? I think when you talk on global warming, you have to talk on a global level and not on a level of a one point on the globe like Israel. Yeah, I think it's a global problem. It has to be solved on a different level. Israel are doing nothing on this issue. For example, I told the SPNI, we are, we are going, all of us, this is a car belongs to the SPNI, going by leasing, you know, all the cars. I told them take only the, the fields from Toyota, which are less impacting the environment, and then we'll be the first organization that all the cars, and then, then maybe we can impact the government and, and change it. I don't know if you talk to Gershon Peleg, the director of us. You talk to him? Yes, actually. Okay, he didn't, he did, I told him, I'll help you because I'm well connected, as you've seen. I told him, let's go to the Minister of Environment, who is a, who is a good friend, and to the Minister of Transportation, Mofaz, Shaul Mofaz, and get, because, the, you know, the only problem was, if you are, if I'm now driving, because if I'm all the time with the same car, I have to take pa a task from my pocket for holding a private car, but... The, the, the Prius, you, because it's a better car, you pay more tax, so they, they couldn't stand it. So I told him, let's convince them to, to, on all this friendly environmental car, reduce the task, and then everyone will take it. But they didn't do anything. So I think this is a fault from the SPNI. We had to lead this, this uh, step, and we didn't. The, for example, the big idea, because Israel is well known with the, the, with the high-tech development, right. uh, now they, they started to move the idea to develop a company to produce electricity uh, cars, which will have uh, refueling places of the, for the battery, I mean, 
uh, recharging the batteries all over. So there is a guy, Shai Agassi, which Shimon Peres is uh, supporting very much because the technology can come out from Israel, or part of it. So I think the government at least should supply people who are developing technology which are friendly environment. And that can be another, uh, I think, ho a part that Israel can help for this. Israel, it's a, one of the big. I think this is the biggest problem in Israel, that because it's now overpopulated. I don't know if you know the figures, but a part of the Negev Desert from Beersheba in north, we have already 480 people per square kilometer. In Netherlands and Belgium, which are so-called one of the most populated countries in the world, 440 and 460. So we are really overpopulated, and it's getting worse. And they, you know, the very religious, the ultra-orthodox and the Arabs still have uh, eight, ten kids each. So, and, and you know, immigration, 1.2 million Russians came to such a small country, which is good maybe for the nation of Israel, but very bad for the environment. So we have several problems that we have still to, to solve. No, no. Also, you know, I was involved deeply in the story of Kiria, which is the garbage dump near Ben-Gurion Airport. And nothing happened there when I was the director. I helped the general director of the Ministry of Environment, the Hamaronen, that was her name at the time, to lead a big campaign because there, there was also a problem with the garbage dump that 120,000 girls were wintering there. So this could be also a big disaster to, to you know, to have a to lose a 747 falling on Tel Aviv or Cholon. So we made a big campaign and finally we succeeded to move it to near Be'er Sheva, to Dodaim. And this area became clean of the gas and clean of all this uh, unorganized uh, garbage dump, which are still a problem in the Golan Heights and everywhere. Also polluting the, the water of Israel. Water pollution is a big problem. Many of the oil uh, lines underground are leaking and polluting the, the water. Okay. So this is a big problem because it's not only that uh, wind powers, it's now found out, are harming the, at least the bigger birds very seriously. The problem is that if you want to get your money from the wind uh, powers, you need to put it on sites which you have good winds. And this is also the sites where the birds like to migrate. So it's a conflict. So on one hand, you want to have friendly environmental energy. On the other hand, if you are trying to develop a country as a highway of migrating birds, you cannot cover all these places with the wind power stations. So you have to find the solution where you can put these uh, powers, we, uh, the uh, stations, where they, it's not the, the, the top place for the migration. And you have also to make an a, a, a warning system that when the big numbers of birds are coming in, you need a network of radars. Then you can stop them online. That, I think, can be a solution of part of it. And you have big numbers of birds, stop there. 
the, the, the windmills. It's possible, yeah, but then it, it has to be decided by the government or by the companies, because if you stop it for two hours when the migration are, then you get mo less money. But this has to be organized by law, and then no one can say anything. Okay, now, I'm going to speculate now, assuming it is a new government, and they came to you and they want to appoint you as Minister of the Environment, what uh, actions would you take if you Okay. This can never happen because I always say no. I don't want to be in the government and I want to work with birds. I was invited in the past by Yossi Sari to be part of the government when he saw my abilities. I didn't think, you know, I want to work in the academy and NGOs. So but how, how would you advise them? I would tell them, I think that, what you know, it's like it, now we are driving. It's like driving on the highways. People in Israel, they are aggressive. They don't know how to behave. And they don't respect law. I think in other countries the situation is much better. So you can see the, the high rate of uh, um, car, car accidents. And I think it's the same here. If I'll be the Minister of Environment, first of all, I would go very seriously on uh, uh, laws that someone will enforce them. Because, you know, it's like always, you have to make a combination of education and enforcing. Education, let's say, is, is doing some campaigns, but the enforcing is bad. But if you put the money to enforce, you see, if there will be many uh, police cars now here and many radars, no one will go. And then, if you, you know, if we have a problem with people who are poisoning the, the vultures. We have now only 65 pairs out of 1,500, which have been here in the past, 5%. Now, several farmers were caught putting poison to, to vultures. They should be put in jail for five years, like they were murdered someone. Then, you know, you put four or five father, uh, farmers in the jail, the others say, oh, oh my God, uh, I won't have this. But if they get 3,000 shekels, they say, damn, with that, I don't care. So the, the law enforcing here is like the third world. I tell you, it's a third world. Almost nothing is done. So that's the, that's the result. And then, if I would be the Minister of Environment, even I'll be the Minister of Environment, I, I will act from the environmental point of view, like the Minister of Education with the schools, because they don't learn much in the schools about the environment. It's just something, but not enough. So if you, if you educate, I believe in education. If you educate the children, then, you know, in 10 years, 20 years, you'll see the results. I didn't under, I got the point. What did you... I would... Recycling. Ah, recycling. Okay. So they started the campaign, but you know, suddenly people are telling that they come with the car. People are recycling, putting different bottles, but then on the car they put everything in one, <laughs> one garbage dump. So uh, the whole thing had to be done. On, like, you know, I've been very frustrated going twice to Switzerland. Next Tuesday I'm going again to Switzerland. <laughs> There are, there are people who, who, in their soul, they're obeying orders. They, they do what they are told to do. Here in Israel, they, they are there, you know. If you are told you, you can go 100 kilometers per hour, you see this guy is going 140. 
they, you are told to be recycling, they don't give a damn about that. So they, and I think part is because of the political situation, you know, people are stressed, they're aggressive, I don't know what. So I think that they, you have to be much more uh, useful in making campaigns and enforcing the law also with the recycling. And uh, because the, the, the Ministry of Environment is weak, they cannot make it. Yeah, 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 it's no problem. The religious communities. The religious community. Yeah, yeah. The, I tell you, the problem with the religious communities, first of all, I think they, they have to be treated as all the other communities, of course, by law and by everything. But on that, then you go to the ultra-Orthodox, who are quite a big part of it now. They, don't, they, they have many children, they don't, many are not working, or they have very low income. So they are not, they, they really don't give a damn on the environment. They are mainly interested to raise their children and get them some good food and get them a good shidduch and go on. So the chances with them are not very high. On the other hand, if you go to education and talk, you know, in the Torah, you know it very well. The attitude to the environment is very, very high. Animal cruelty and that you have not to... Uh, to go to a level of uh, spoiling the environment by, you know, uh, getting uh, uh, getting damage to the environment. But uh, let's say I didn't, uh, as they are on, the, the religious population is 20%, okay? Ultra Orthodox about 10%. So it's 10%, most of them are in town. So the impact is not really very high. But it's a problem. Yes, it's a problem. see this is really getting moved. If it will be moved on a national level, they will also join it, okay? But with them it's more complicated. It's like with the Arabs, the same. You know, they are, most of them are poor. They some of them, when the uh, eco-sociology level is higher, then they suddenly started to get uh, interested. If it's low, then they are in a problem. They need first to get their, they want the road to the village, they want electricity, they want telephone. Then they talk on other issues. Like in China, they're developing and causing a lot of pollution. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yes, yeah. Now, do you think, when you look and see all these problems and the projections by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, from 3 to 11 degrees Fahrenheit increase in the next century, and some are saying we may reach a tipping point, it's why we're out of control, tell you, I think that Israel, as many other issues, is always like the States, but one decade later. You know, if everyone starts computers, in Israel after a decade starts computer. Everyone starts internet, they start internet. 
algo starts to talk in the environment, a decade later, they starts to talk in... So we are basically like an, another, I think, state of the United States, but with one phase of delay, okay? But whatever happens there will happen here, but with a delay. And that's what I believe. And uh, coming to the, your uh, other question about the religious and the, not only religious, I think. I, whenever I teach, I take uh, verses from the Bible and from the Jewish sources to show them how it's connected. So for the teachers and for the system, it's important not only, like with the birds, I'm talking to them on the birds, but connecting it to the birds of the Bible. And I, ma I made a, a booklet, which is called Birds of the Bible, with a very nice poster and a very nice CD and a, a program for teachers to talk 10 lessons on the birth of the Bible to elements of the Bible, also reptiles and mammals to understand why they extincted and stuff like that so for example vultures you, someone can see, you know, the vulture is mentioned 28 times in the Bible so it made an impact on the, our uh, ancestors but uh, some people say, okay, Yossi Lashem likes uh, vultures why, why do I care if you have 1,500 or only 65 pairs. But I think that first of all, uh, you want to see a vulture flying in the sky. If you go to the Golan or to the Negev and you enjoy the, the views, the vultures are part of our national view. But then also, you know, if it's mentioned in the Bible, you know the story when they were teaching in the Cheder and the, 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 the children were asking the Melamed, what a, a name of a Paris, they didn't know what's the name. So they were saying Michigan Achaye. <laughs> crazy animal, you know, because they didn't know what it's really. Now we know the animals, we, we know how important they are for our uh, heritage, then we have also to protect them for the heritage of Israel and the future of our children. Now, what Torah teachings do you tie in with the environment when you teach uh, to show that uh, working for the environment, protecting birds and other animal life is very consistent with Judaism? I just, you know, I'm not an expert from the Jewish sources, but I, I have a list of a lot of verses from the Bible who, talking, who can give us a good sample how to behave and uh, just mentioning which animals they thought they are talking of and stuff like that, and I use it. Or they, I use a, a lot of verses like Kohelet Rabbah, they say that, they, you know, the God took the man, you know, back to the Garden of Eden and all this stuff. So then people are connected also, but it has to be a combination, not only Jewish sources, it has to be, you know, a blend of everything. Then they, they got to understand what's the story. Okay. You know what, maybe as a final question, can you just summarize, if possible, your overall view on uh, the environment, the importance of birds and uh, the environmental situation in Israel and out to the future and Okay, so to summarize, first of all, I think birds, I am a bird lover. I think uh, the success will be not by organization like SPNI or by government, by, but by people who are committed. It's like the guy here, Russell Free, is committed, he raises a lot of money by JNF because he's committed. I like birds and I think the birds are special. You can see that most of the hobbies of na nature are bird lovers and people like birds because they are colorful and they sing nice and you can see them flying most of the children they always dream if they can fly like a bird and that's the reason in the Jewish uh, you have the 
the verse of Tzipor uh, Nefesh, you know, the bird of the soul, and the birds goes also with the soul. So I think the birds can be a very important indicator of what's going on here. And basically, the, we lost many species in Israel, and we, by our hands, destroyed by poisoning and by destroying the habitat, their habitat. So I think the people has the commitment to uh, re- renew it and give them a chance by protecting them and by doing as much as better to get them a better environment, first of all for the people, but not less important for the birds or for the other animals. But the, the situation right now is not, not very positive. Now, you know, if you think logic and you see what happened in the last 60 years, and you try to think what will be in the next 60 years, <laughs> I, am, I am pessimistic. And because it never happened to me t- uh, 10 years ago, but now I'm becoming pessimistic because I try to think not emotional, but to think logic. And if you think logic, <laughs> we are coming to doom days. That's what I think. You know, I, I, I'm not a priest in the church, you know. So I'm doing, you know, I could sit in the university now when I was accepted to the university 20 years ago. I could do my research and, you know, make my papers. But I'm not. I'm, I'm doing a lot of education because I believe in it.